You only live once. But if you do it right, once is enough. This is Thrive Kings. Grind like today makes it or breaks it. Hustle like you never have before. And thrive on the fruits of your labor. Hustle, grind, thrive, repeat. This is Thrive Kings. Here's your host, Craig Fountain. Welcome to the Thrive Kings podcast. This is episode seven, and I am your host, Craig Fountain. Today's guest is a recognized expert in entrepreneurship and business strategy. Horrified by entrepreneurship trends, he has made it his mission to rescue one million entrepreneurs from traditional employment. His new book, Boss Brain, will be out soon. It's my pleasure to share with you my conversation with Trey Williams. Follow the show online at Thrive Kings on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Trey, welcome to the Thrive Kings podcast. Appreciate you coming on the show today. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Now, Trey, before we get into your speaking and your writing and some of those other things uh, that you're currently involved in, we'll get into your new book, uh, talk some entrepreneurship. Can you give us some insight on how you got to where you are now, maybe a little bit of your journey so we can get to know you? Yeah, absolutely. I, like many other people, was never really a fantastic employee. And um, I'll be the first one to admit that, that there was always a drive for me that made me feel like I was I was meant for, or at least capable of greater things. And, and that drive really led me to try to start some businesses when I was younger and fail here and there and learn some lessons. And it landed me in the, the franchise industry, ironically enough, which is nothing but and filled with entrepreneurs. And uh, there I was really able to flex my entrepreneurial muscle a little bit and and hone my skills and understand more about what it means to, to leave traditional employment and, and be your own boss. And I was fortunate enough to uh, work with a, a number of brands and sit at the helm of a couple of mid-sized brands, a couple of hundred locations scattered across the nation. And uh, that world is really a fantastic world. It's one of the few industries in America where everyone within it is, is hopeful and willing to help everyone else. And uh, not, not a, a group of folks who compete with one another, ironically enough, even though it's filled with entrepreneurs. It's really a, a fantastic group of people who support and assist others through their own journey. So I was lucky enough to have some mentors in there that to assist me through my journey and learned a lot about what it means to be an entrepreneur, uh, both as an entrepreneur and, and as someone leading a brand filled with entrepreneurs. Uh, very recently, I, I left that world and I focused on consulting full-time until I began the the journey of writing and trying to put all of these lessons that I've learned into a book that is forthcoming here later this year. Now, what inspired you to make the move to writing? You know, ultimately, I recognized that the the biases that I was falling uh, victim to and the challenges that I was facing every time I tried to leave a traditional job and and begin my own journey as an entrepreneur were biases that everyone faces. And it occurred to me that there had to be an underlying reason and the the research panned out to show that that is indeed the case. And sadly enough, uh, the research also indicated a a really sad statistic in America about entrepreneurship. and that motivated me to get this message out so we could try to reverse a, a pretty significant trend, which is 
causing the, the death of American entrepreneurship. It's currently at its lowest point in history and falling. And when I tell people that, they're usually taken aback. They have a hard time believing that the most entrepreneurial country in the world actually ranks lowest among all major industrialized nations. We actually have fewer entrepreneurs as a percentage than uh, socialist-leaning Norway and uh, largely dictatorial Russia. And that's a really sad statistic. So why is entrepreneurship at an all-time low in our society? Uh, the, sense, the simple answer is we're becoming victims of our own success. Uh, that, that doesn't really explain it, but that really is the summary of it. The explanation is that our inherent hardwired uh, psychological biases that we all suffer from, and whether we admit it or not, are really being heavily exploited by external expectations and, and cultural assimilation. So we, we have these triggers in our brain and we all have them because it, uh, 10,000 years ago, they were very important for our survival. But today in the world that we live in, it, it's causing this battle between our inherent optimism and our need for certainty uh, to rise in a really ugly way. And, and our need for certainty is winning out for the first time in history, I might add. I find it interesting that it's kind of been the trendy thing is to be an entrepreneur. Um, even, you know, people want to be influencers and people want to put entrepreneur on their, on their profiles or founder or startup, you know, all these buzzwords mm -hmm. in the world we live in, uh, even professional athletes, though, you can look up a prof professional athlete on LinkedIn and it's going to say entrepreneur and then Every time. professional athlete. So why in a society that fantasizes about entrepreneurship isn't, they're more entrepreneurs. Uh, that seems kind of, am I wrong when I say that seems kind of like an oxymoron or some, no, there's some exactly irony there? Right. You, you are, you're, you're dead right. And it's a really cruel irony. So let's talk about it for a minute. Uh, study in 2018 of 2 million Americans in the American workforce revealed that 70% of the American workforce would prefer to be self-employed. So let's do the quick math on that. That's about 100 million people who indicated that they would prefer to be self-employed. The actual math is that less than 7%, about 6.5% actually is self-employed. And that number has been falling since the mid 1940s during the baby boom generation. So I will agree with you that despite all this talk about the gig economy and, and even with COVID and working from home and remote workforce, you know, you might think, or at least uh, situationally, you, you might be, uh, you might tend to think that entrepreneurship is on the rise. And while folks are doing a little side hustle here and there, and they're, they're trying to engage themselves in, in something that is more meaningful than their traditional nine to five, self-employment is still at an all-time low. Uh, I'll give you a, another quick number. 25 years ago or so in the mid-90s, uh, self-employment was running in between 12 and 13%. And that number has been cut in half in 20 years. So if you follow that trend, it means by the mid 2040s, 99% of Americans will work for the other 1%. That's a crazy statistic. It's hard to, uh, it's really hard to wrap your head around. And, and you know, it, that's a, that's a pretty big swing. I mean, you hear everybody say now the 3% works for the 97% or the other way around 97% works for the 3%, but 
like you're saying, the numbers are so big, it's actually much more substantial than than at first glance. Um, what do you think happens when we get to that point where 99% of the population works for the 1%? Well, I think we're already seeing a, a lot of pent-up angst and civil unrest in this nation, largely because there is a perception uh, that the 1% are, are unfairly um, you know, being benef- benefiting from the way society is actually structured and formed. But the reality of the situation is every day we we are com- we're not just complicit we're to blame for accentuating the statistic and, and, and hastening the decline of american entrepreneurship and it's because we've reached a point in our gross domestic product and our quality of life metrics where you can all you can pretty much be guaranteed that maslow's bottom level of his hierarchy for safety and food and shelter can be met within the united states and once those are met folks become incredibly resistant to change and being resistant to change brings back that irony you talk about where everyone says oh i'm an entrepreneur i'm an entrepreneur well uh, society loves to talk about creation and innovation and creative ideas and and those who, who spark innovation but the truth is we're extremely resistant to change and and what i'm hoping to get folks to realize is that there are 80 to 100 million people in the nation who are in what i call the goldilocks zone now these folks are are in a position where comfort for them is certain enough that they're willing to invite a little risk but it is not so certain that they're not enormously resistant to change and this is a, a comfort zone that is laying squarely in the middle class you look at the bell curve of entrepreneurship, those who have the highest paychecks and those who have the lowest paychecks are least likely to be entrepreneurs. It is the middle class that really entrepreneurship is dependent on. And this is why it aligns with the mid 1940s. When the rise of the middle class and the baby boom is you see that rise coupled with the decline in entrepreneurship. And that's why I say we're becoming victims of our own success. Things are, are so good that we don't realize how, how good we have it and, and we're resistant to taking those risks or, or maybe facing a little uncertainty that entrepreneurship requires. So Trey, you're on a mission to rescue 1 million entrepreneurs from tr- traditional employment. What is the solution for this problem we're talking about? So if, it, if psychology has proved anything, it's proved that knowing our behavioral tendencies and pitfalls is not enough to actually change your behavior. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and that's the true for all of us. We all fall victim to that, myself included. So the, the difference, and, and I say this in the very last chapter of the book, is all of this starts with belief, but you can't just wake up one day and decide to believe something. We, we all usually look for evidence. We look for some signs that tell us that it's okay to believe in something because we don't want to get our hopes up if, if for some reason that doesn't transpire. But you can't just wake up one morning and say, I choose to believe. But here's what you can do. You can start taking small steps that may even have small, meaningless, uh, uh, not even risky consequences. But as you begin to take those steps, you start changing the perception of yourself and you start seeing yourself as the kind of person who takes those actions. And over time, belief emerges because you reverse engineered it. 
you've taken a few small steps, you've seen what happened, you built some small momentum, you didn't have to risk a lot in the process, and reverse engineering your belief kind of kicks off this entrepreneurial cycle. I, I talked earlier about the struggle between optimism and uncertainty, and what we're really trying to do is light fire to the optimism, that belief that something is possible. Is this similar to the idea that we find in, like there's, for example, something that came to mind when you were explaining that was a famous speech uh, at a graduation ceremony, um, and it actually ended up being in a book, the if you want to change the world, start by making your bed. Is it all about, so you're saying that it's all about small steps to gather momentum, to reverse engineer the... No, I, I know exactly where you're going and you're right. So think of it like this. The children of entrepreneurs are significantly more likely to be entrepreneurs and business owners themselves. Okay. Entrepreneurs give three times on average the amount to charitable organizations than those who are traditionally employed. Entrepreneurs are more civically engaged in their community. They're more likely to volunteer their time. So what you end up with is the higher the concentration of entrepreneurs in a society, the more peaceful and civilly engaged and harmonious that society becomes. So to paraphrase what you were just saying is if you really want to help your community, start by helping yourself. Because that's how you throw a, a, a rock into a pond and those ripples reverberate all the way to the other side. And it might not sound like much, but we didn't get here overnight. We got here over a 65, 70 year period of entrepreneurial decline, and we're not going to fix it overnight. But we have to start somewhere, and it has to start one entrepreneur at a time. Why is it this way? Is it because when, with an, if you're an entrepreneur, you see the positives and ne negatives, the cause and effect of every action you take, it has a meaningful impact. Does this have something to do with the idea that? when we start participating in our community and things like that, that everything has a real impact? A hundred percent. The part two of the book, the book is divided into four parts and part two is all about accountability. And that's, that's not blame. Now those are two different things. So I want to be clear about that. When I talk about accountability, I'm talking about the recognition that you have the power to make a difference in your eventual outcome and being an entrepreneur opens your eyes to the fact that you are empowered to make changes that change your eventual destiny. And, and that is what you do today. Uh, if you're dwelling on the past, there's nothing you can do to change that. If you're focused on the future, the only way to, to manufacture and make that future a reality are the steps that you take today. And being an entrepreneur really makes you realize that. So there's an entire part of the book that focuses on accountability and the realization that we are all in control of our lives, despite how it may feel in the chaotic world we live in. So let's talk a little bit about your book, because we, we've covered some of the content matter uh, for the book. What's, what's the book's title? When can we expect to see it? And where will we, will we be able to find it? So the book is called Boss Brain, uh, Unlock Your Entrepreneurial Instincts, Live the Real American Dream. I talk about the real American dream because uh, the, the modern day interpretation of the American dream is home ownership. And, and that was a lie that was created by the mortgage companies. So the real American dream, as it was defined by James Truslow Adams in 1931, is a person having the freedom to achieve all that is within his or her capabilities. 
And, and that's the reason why folks risk their lives and, and their futures and, and their families to come to America and have for years and years. It's because we all have this freedom. Uh, the book is going to be available on Amazon and all the other places, Audible and Barnes and Noble, first part of next year. But it's going to be available for direct shipment from the publisher in a limited quantity starting in October. So there's a pre-order available at getbossbrain.com forward slash waitlist. And uh, you can get on the wait list to order that and be one of the first people to have it in hand later this year. Now, what inspired you to write this book specifically? Um, because this seems like a very, uh, a very uh, targeted book that, that actually targets, you know, it, you're revealing a scientifically proven system that unlocks those you know people's true potential what why that subject matter that seems very specific well i i love this country and i still believe that that 70 percent that i'm targeting is it's not a narrow group it's a hundred million people out there who know in their hearts that they are capable of more and meant for more and they want to leave a legacy like the rest of us and i want to do everything i can to empower them to achieve just like the American dream says, all that is within their innate, innate ability. And I, I don't want to, to live or die in, in an America where 99% of the people work for the other 1%. I, I want it to continue to be what America always has been, where you have the freedom and the opportunity to achieve everything in your power. So I put that mission together because a million sounds like a lot of people, but there are a hundred million of them out there. So if I can just get one in a hundred to take that step in 25, 30 years from now, we're gonna have a much more harmonious and much more civically engaged society as a result. We're currently in the middle of a pandemic, all right? We're in August uh, 2020, in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. How does this affect all these entrepreneurship trends? The fact that we're in a, that entrepreneurship is at an all-time low, that we're trending in the wrong direction. You're on a mission to change that, but how does the pandemic affect that, maybe short and long-term? It's a great question, Craig. And, and let me tell you, this is a flashpoint in history for entrepreneurship. And, and really, 20 or 30 years from now, this moment's going to be judged by how we perceive this. Uh, I know you've probably heard the, the old cliche about the two kanji that represent the word crisis in, in the Japanese language. And the, the two kanji, one of them is chaos and the other is opportunity. And I try to remind everybody of that as often as I can when I speak with them, because amidst this chaos is opportunity. I, the, the entrepreneurs who I know out there see this for what it is. Real estate prices are going to begin to fall. Landlords are going to become motivated. Second generation space is going to come available. Innovation is going to be required because of a, a morphed society that maybe is working more remotely. Each of those independently could be a, a huge opportunity for innovation and entrepreneurship. But together, it's really unprecedented. So it, it, I, it, despite the fact that now might feel like an uncertain time and, and I get so sick of hearing every television commercial say in these uncertain times, because I could not disagree more. If there is anything that is certain and anything that I genuinely believe, it is that American entrepreneurship is going to prevail. And this is an opportunity for us to reverse that trend. 
I've read a lot of statistics about entrepreneurship. I've posted some to my social media profiles, things like that. An interesting one, and I think you're the perfect guy for me to ask this question to, is you're talking about how, or we were talking about earlier, about how the middle class is really uh, the bread and butter for entrepreneurship. That That's generally who's, who's active. Now, I read a statistic that men between the ages of 30 and 40 that are middle class are the most successful entrepreneurs. Do you have a, do you, number one, do you agree with that? I don't remember, I can't cite the reference. I don't remember it offhand. <clears throat> uh, do you agree with that? And uh, why or why not would you agree with that? So there's a couple of things to remember. Uh, the statistics that I've been throwing out there about the decline of entrepreneurship cross all races, all genders, all geography, and all socioeconomic barriers. It doesn't matter what your, your color, religion, or creed is. It, you, there are fewer of you as a percentage of entrepreneurs in this country now than at any time in history. So um, what you're speaking to, though, is the level of success about timings. And, and there's a couple of interesting points I want to make there. A person with a master's degree is 20% less likely to be an entrepreneur than a person with a GED. Now, I'm not comparing apples to apples on what their income is. What I'm saying is when when master's degree and secondary education create opportunities for employment, we're more likely to choose that certainty. So when you talk about men in their 30s, I think what you're really speaking to is the fact that men are a little less risk averse than than women are. So perhaps it skewed the statistic in that way. And believe it or not, when you are least optimistic in your life is in your mid twenties. And despite how Hollywood predicts that, you know, youth are naively optimistic and they have this, this rosy view of the world and they really don't face reality. It's actually the opposite of that. You're most pessimistic and pessimistic in your twenties, which really inspires us to make these decisions that have lasting consequences about home buying and family and jobs and career and, and, and where we live. And we're making those significant decisions at a time when we are least optimistic, when we believe in things the least. The studies show that you're most optimistic in life when you're 55 years old. And, and that's because we all require a library of experience to kind of pull from, look back on and understand what's possible and, and that everything is within our power to change. And I'm not surprised to hear that those who start in their 30s do a better job in other places. But I would also question how they measured success in that, because I know there are a lot of folks who hit 40 and 45 years old and they find themselves in a place where they've worked hard for 20 or 25 years and can invite that risk in that Goldilocks zone we talked about earlier. Um, It's probably also really important to remember that success is such a vague term and one person's definition of that could be vastly different. And I think if you subtract the monetary aspect out, you're going to find that all entrepreneurs are in their eyes more successful because they're happier and more satisfied with their life. And this has been proven by science than people who are traditionally employed. I should say for clarity and transparency, and I probably should have articulated the question just a little bit better, but the studies that I was reading where I read that that statistic had to do with uh, what percentages of entrepreneurs were still operating about X amount after X amount of years. Like for example, uh, such and such percentage fail, uh, before three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. So I think it was from a longevity standpoint, but 
that could mean a lot of things that could, you know, a lot of times the reason why entrepreneurs fail is capital. Maybe that's just, you know, the group that has the most capital to sustain them. Uh, there's lots of things like you mentioned that could really throw that statistic. I was just curious as to what your insights were. Um, there's lots of, there's lots of questions, um, that not a lot. There's, there's a few questions that I like to ask everybody that comes on the show, uh, kind of a rapid fire type deal, but, uh, I'm curious because leaders are readers in my mind, aside from your book, if I was going to pick up a book to read before yours came out, what book would you recommend? Um, I'm going to give you one that's, that's maybe a little off topic. If you haven't read the behavioral investor by Dr. Daniel Crosby, even if you're not an investor, we have a, a really tumultuous and volatile relationship with money. And you can learn a lot about yourself and about society as a whole by reading this book. And Dr. Crosby, is he's had three New York Times bestsellers. This is his third. The other one was called Laws of Wealth. But I found the behavioral invest, investor to be one where as I was reading, I, I would shake my head and say, I totally do this. This thing that he's telling me that I shouldn't do, I do this all of the time. And, and, it, and I learned a lot about the world and I learned a lot about myself. Uh, coincidentally, Dr. Crosby wrote the foreword for my book, Boss Brain, and, and put into very eloquent terms, uh, sort of summarized the book for me. So if you haven't read his book, I highly recommend it. Outstanding. Now, when you were starting off as an entrepreneur, uh, what advice do you wish somebody would have given you at the time? Expect failure. Learn from it. Get over it. Don't see it as a personal indictment and move on. And, and, and I, I can't say this enough, the statistics we were talking about earlier doesn't measure the people who look at what they were doing and say, you know, I'm making an okay living doing this right now, but I've got a better idea. And they shutter that business to go do something else. And very often we forget those lessons that we're learning and we just measure those closures as a failure. But that, that really was a lesson and that was a springboard to your next opportunity. And that's also something that could skew the statistics. Somebody may, may start four or five, six, seven businesses. It might take them seven tries, but that seventh try, you know, really takes off. So uh, as far as advice goes, besides the that advice that, that you just mentioned, what would you what advice would you give at this point uh, to, to an entrepreneur, whether they're starting, struggling or thriving? Doesn't matter. What advice would you give to entrepreneurs? Well, I would say to, to reference what we said earlier about starting small until those actions change your perception of yourself. But more than that, I'll give you a, a quote that's at the beginning of, of my book from a book called uh, the, Art of, the, the War of Art. It's a fantastic quote. It says, there never was and never will be a moment when we're without the power to change our destiny. And it is what you do today that matters. It's not what happened yesterday, and it's not planning for tomorrow. It's the action that you take today. And if you don't change a variable, you're not going to expect a different result. So take some action, learn from it, and then take action and then learn from it and create a cycle. Now, Trey, Boss Brain comes out when again? It'll be available for direct ship from the publisher probably late October and hit bookshelves probably around the holidays, maybe a little after. It's been pushed because of it the COVID thing. And can you share the web address uh, one more time? Absolutely. Go to getbossbrain.com forward slash waitlist. And there's a waitlist there that will give you early access 
And um, I've got a Facebook group that you can join called Ball Spring Revolution, where a lot of folks uh, get to watch videos that I put together and they discuss the content of the book even before the book is out. So some really smart and capable entrepreneurship entrepreneurs in that group on Facebook. Now, you mentioned it'll be available on Audible eventually. Are you doing your own audiobook? You know, despite my southern accent, they did ask me to do my own audio. And, Outstanding. Uh, I, was, <laughs> I was a little surprised, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, but I'm going to embrace it. And, uh, you know, my, my publisher said that no one is going to be able to put together the emphasis the way I, I intended it. So I'm going to take that as a compliment, despite my accent. I will say as an audiobook listener because I I can't I can't focus when I'm trying to read words on a page and and I've mentioned it many a times on the show before uh, I'm an audiobook guy but I I always prefer when the audiobook is read by the author I think it just makes it so much better so I, I'm glad to hear that um, I'll be sure to uh, use one of my credits on that when uh, when your book comes out but. Uh, uh, where can everybody find you on social media besides your Facebook group that you already mentioned? Do you have Twitter, Instagram, TikTok Absolutely. for that matter? Yeah, I'm pretty easy to find uh, because of how my first name is spelled. Trey, T-R-A, Williams.com. And uh, the, the same on LinkedIn, the same on Twitter, uh, T-R-A underscore Williams on Twitter. Um, but I've been really enjoying engaging with entrepreneurs in this Facebook group. It's become my go-to. Um, and uh, it's a really interesting group of people there who are conversing and sort of debating over some of the same issues we talked about here today. So I think you would enjoy it. Outstanding, Trey. Appreciate you coming on the show. We're excited to uh, have you on the Thrive Kings podcast. Hopefully we'll be able to make it happen again someday. It's my pleasure, Craig. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Kings. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher Radio to never miss an episode of the Thrive Kings podcast.